Turn up in my headphones now. Oh, here it goes. Hello, everybody. Welcome Charles. to. You stop the music before the howl. Well, not every episode's a howl episode. Yeah, they, it would be if I was in charge of the music. We'd probably, <laughs> we, but I'd also probably play it back. And, you oh, know, it's gosh. probably for the best that you're in charge of it. Thank you. I would agree. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Friends, a talking fantasy podcast. My name is Charles, and with me today is my fabulous co-host, Dylan. You did it. You did the intro. Oh, yeah, sorry. And, I, and I'm sending it to you. To, yeah, well, I'm to excited. Show us your personality a little bit, you know? Let us get this to know is, you. This is me. I'm like this. Uh, <laughs> I I said last episode that I would work on some sort of response for Charles, but to let you in behind the curtain, it's not that I'm so lazy that I didn't, <laughs> in the last week, find any time to actually come up with anything. It's that... We are recording this immediately after <laughs> we recorded the last episode. So that's right. I did not think of anything to respond to Charles with. I just got excited he did an intro. <laughs> well, you know what? We're just happy to hear your voice this early in the podcast. That's that's all. <laughs> yeah. We usually don't make it through the theme music without hearing my voice, though. <laughs> well, there was the concern you raised that you, we need no, to hear more Dylan at the beginning. So now we're Most here. Of- most of our meetings about the podcast focus on me trying to tell Charles that it's like the fans are demanding more Dylan and we, we based on nothing of course and we had a very Dylan focused episode last week but I figure this will this has a chance to be our least popular episode yet because it's a Charles focused episode there might not be as much Dylan that's true, although Dylan is the one that's kind of making all the decisions in this episode, so this might be a side to Dylan, the decisive side that people are looking to see, you know, how is he going to change the course of the Friends Talking Fantasy podcast in this moment? That's fair, it's, Charles. That's the power you hold in this episode. I hold all the power. It's you pitching to me. That's so right. in some ways, this is a Dylan episode too. <laughs> it, it is very much uh, required of you to participate, and everyone's kind of listening to hear what you're going to decide. So in that way, it is a Dylan episode. It's not easy to be the face of a podcast, <laughs> considering it's entirely audio. But <laughs> I'm managing, and I, you know, listeners, let me know how I'm doing. I, Charles doing great as the behind the scenes guy. We all know that, but. <laughs> How do you feel? How do you feel about me as the face of this thing? Well, I hope they appreciate all the work you do. <laughs> <laughs> I know I sure do. Oh, thanks, Charles. So... I am out there on the social media platforms. So <laughs> if you're on social media talking to us, you're almost definitely talking to me. Almost definitely. Um, but, you know, if you're listening to some crisp, crystal clear audio and you want to sh- show some thanks, that's almost definitely me. So completely i would have no idea what i was doing (laughs) editing (laughs) these i i was thinking about this charles i was like i think if 
something were to happen, if we were to have a falling out, which seems unlikely, we've lasted <laughs> 20 some odd years, uh, the vast true. majority of our life without having any falling out. So I don't know why I was worrying about this, but I was like, Charles could probably keep doing this without me. I do not think I could keep doing this without Charles. <laughs> and don't lost. you forget it. <laughs> <laughs> don't you forget it. No, this show's not possible with, without uh, Charles and Dylan. It's, it just cannot be. It would so. be friend-talking fantasy. And no one wants to hear that. <laughs> All right. So, <laughs> Sorry, I know everyone. I'm making us meander at the start of the show. That's all right. No, it's the friends portion of the show that we're always talking about, mm-hmm. trying to capture, you know, the personalities of the show. And that's why we're here. Welcome, everybody. This is part two of our two part series of Friends Pitching Fantasy. Last week, we got to hear uh, Dylan's opening statements for his three books. And we ended up, well, I ended up choosing based off of his his pitches uh the book of the ancestor by mark lawrence it was not an easy choice there was tough deliberations made so i highly recommend if you haven't heard that one to go back give that a listen uh this week <laughs> definitely spoil the ending to it before recommending <laughs> that they listen to it charles <laughs> <laughs> yes well that's where we are so <laughs> it's more about the journey anyway um, yeah and now we're here, so by the end of this episode, we are going to know what Dylan's pick from my three choices will be. We're also going to have decided the reading order, and then our next few series will be on the reading schedule for you guys to check out. It will be there, set in stone for the world to see. On theftfpodcast.com. That's right. If you want to plan your reading schedules ahead, go ahead and check that out. See when these episodes are dropping, when you need to finish the books by, to be part of the discussion. All that good stuff can be found on the reading schedule tab of our website, theftfpodcast.com. So, For sure. brief recap of how Friends Pitching Fantasy works. First, we're going to go through round one, the desk rejection, where I will list my three pitches that I want the three books that I want to pitch and Dylan will just reject one without hearing any any pitching from me. Round 2 is the deliberation where I'll actually pitch my other two books. I just uh, around a 4 or 5 minute pitch and then Dylan will ask his questions in a cross examination and I'll answer them and then after all that Dylan's going to pick one of those two books for us to read and then we'll enter the fourth round called Destiny which will be a coin toss to decide the order of the reading. So this is going to place out. Nailed it, Charles. And the people Nailed love it. coin tosses in an audio format. <laughs> yeah, That's it really raises the stakes is all the drama of what are they going to tell me which side the coin <laughs> ended up on? Because <laughs> a coin toss <laughs> in se- itself already a spectacle that people really love. <laughs> Look, but we're working on it. He- <laughs> we are working on it. We have ideas. We are very excited about the potential of the Destiny Realm. This is all we're capable of at the current moment. (laughs) Uh, Oh, uh, Charles, did you write down the one that you think I'm going to desk reject? Yes, I did. I wrote it down. Okay. Um, That's a good point. So a little way to spice up the desk rejection is I wrote down 
the series that I thought he was going to reject. And you may mention from the very first ever Friends Pitching Fantasy that I guessed incorrectly. I thought you were going to desk reject Wheel of Time, but you did not. And then last week, you guessed very accurately the one I was going to just to desk reject so your record is your bad i read you a like a book charles yes you know it's still good <laughs> it's that's a still that's good. a callback it, to a week ago for all of you and like an hour ago for me it holds up <laughs> <laughs> and so i've made another guess i think i'm right and we'll just see where it goes let's get right into it round one the desk rejection so dylan the three series that i am bringing forth to you today are as follows. The Witcher series, specifically two books, The Last Wish and The Sword of Destiny by Andrzej Sapkowski. Second series is The Red Rising Saga, the the first trilogy by Pierce Brown, and then The Magician's Trilogy by Lev Grossman. Three great books. Gotta, Gotta toss one of them. I mean, that's the nature of friends pitching fantasy. It is. And I'm not going to waste any time and and mess around here, Charles. I'm going to reject The Magicians by Lev Grossman. And I'm going to do it not because of any issue. Not because of any issue. I love that series. I've, I've talked about it before. On the podcast, I'm a big fan. Lev Grossman's voice is great. I think it does a great job depicting mental health difficulties. It's an awesome series. And I can say that because I've already read it. And I want you to pitch the two that I haven't read. That's that's what it comes down to <sighs> for me. Well, my heart is broken. I love that series. I very much want to read it on the show as soon as possible and what can i say i had an amazing pitch planned with all that in mind i was still gonna convince you Uh, but no the question is could you read for everybody what i read (laughs) what i wrote down what you wrote which is magicians i I mean you you know my heart (laughs) well charles i think you knew because I've been the one pushing for the idea that Friends Pitching Fantasy should be about a person who's read the book pitching it to a person who hasn't for as long as we can make that possible. I know that's not going to be something we can do forever, but right now we can, and I'm going to preserve that format with all uh, the power that I'm wielding in this episode. But I good guess, Charles. You, you know it as much, but you know what? I was like, what, are we never going to read The Magicians? Give me a break. Talk about... I can't go into the pitch, but you know what? <laughs> I, you know, any of these series would be worth choosing. So at, at that point, you know, I'm not, you know, you, you made a good call, but it's still no less sad to, to see it go. It is sad so, to see it go, but I'm excited about what the future holds with stuff I haven't read. And I'll, I'll also say, Charles, did you say already at the top of the show that, you're not allowed to bring back something that's been rejected for at least Not for one... this episode, okay, but I brought it up last episode. week. Okay. So when something's been rejected in a previous Friends Pitching Fantasy, you can't bring it back for the one immediately following. So that Correct. means that <laughs> we didn't bring back any 
that were pitched in our first episode, and we also won't be hearing about the magicians for the next Friends Pitching Fantasy, but it will be back as a possibility well, if it. Charles wants to pitch. <laughs> uh, I didn't even think of that. I could. <laughs> yeah, sure. But, but I we probably, you can't anyway. I don't think you would pitch it. <laughs> Why? It's because I think you have a, a whole bunch of other stuff, and you you know you're saying, "Hey, I want to stay true to the format and all this other stuff." So I don't know why you would pick it. It would be subverting my expectations. Mm. Mm. Well, I probably won't. <laughs> That's what I was saying. <laughs> <laughs> all right, enough time with desk rejection. Now we go on to round two, deliberations. So we have the Witcher series and Red Rising. I'm just going to go ahead and get started with Red Rising just because that's the first pitch that I have in my in my Let's notes. Let's do here. it. Okay. So, here we go. Red Rising. Let's go back to circa 2014, okay? Let's I'm go there. to Pierce Brown. He's cooking up his first series. He's got A Cup of Hunger Games, Spoonful of Divergent, <laughs> Dash of Ender's Game, Maybe a pinch of the Matrix. He cooks it all up in his big brain. What comes out of that oven? The sweet souffle that is the best-selling sci-fi fantasy series and his highest-rated series mentioned in this entire Friends Pitching Fantasy for the 2019 Our Fantasy Top Series. Exactly one place above the Book of the Ancestor. That is Red Rising. Boom. It is set on a future planet Mars and follows the low-born red class Darrow as he infiltrates the ranks of the elite class known as the Golds. A Goodreads reviewer named Navessa put it best when they say, This book is a stark foray into survival and society, into the heart of human darkness and the height of its heroism. One part dystopian, one part sci-fi, one part epic war fantasy. It transcends a conventional genre and enters the realm of amazeballs. And you know what? (laughs) I couldn't say it any better myself. I highly recommend this series, Dylan. If you're looking for a great sci-fi dystopian story that's not plagued by any of the infuriating young adult tropes. It's filled with an amazing plot, brutal action, well-paced story, fantastic characterizations, and most importantly, a believable development in the plot. So, why would you pick this book? Well, I will hearken it back to our previous episode when we're talking about the breath of fresh air. This would be our introduction to the science fiction fantasy elements of Friends Pitching Fantasy. This We've never de- gone into sci-fi, and what better way than with one of the highest recommended science fiction books on our fantasy and the highest rated series that we've been pitching in this round of Friends Pitching Fantasy. I, I know you're an audiobook uh, fan, Dylan, and I have listened to these audiobooks, and I can tell you that they are very, very good, and there's there's music in them, and it's exciting, and it's a story that lends itself to being told through through audiobook format. So I couldn't rec- it, recommend it any more highly than that. And so when I leave you now, I will end with a quote from the story, and it is as follows. I live for the dream that my children will be born free, 
that they will be what they like, that they will own the land their father gave them. I live for you, I said sadly. She kissed my cheek. Then you must live for more. Ooh. End. Interesting. Well, that's quite a pitch there, Charles. I think you <laughs> you came in with a ton of enthusiasm about this. I, I think I didn't realize you were so enthusiastic about Red Rising. I know way back when you read it, you exchanged some text with me that said some nice things about it, but geez, if you were coming in hot with those kind of, that kind of enthusiasm, I, I might have read it by now. It's uh, <laughs> Well, it's friends yeah. pitching fantasy. You know? No, you're bringing it. it. <laughs> you're bringing it. All right, well, I'll go right into my questions then. I, <laughs> I've heard a lot of this book being compared to other books like The Hunger Games, for sure, and I heard you getting at that in your pitch you say it in a very positive way but <laughs> i'm gonna rephrase my question to fit with how how you phrased it which is uh, when i taste that spoonful of divergent am i gonna like <laughs> think that it tastes gross and especially when it's thrown together in the souffle with all that other stuff how am I going to feel about that spoonful of divergent when it comes out in the taste? Well, Dylan, I'm so glad that you asked this question because I've prepared a response. Not only have I prepared a response, but I will read a response from none other than Patrick Rothfuss himself. Wow. Here we go. I suspect a lot of people compare this to Hunger Games, but I think that's disservice to the books. Red Rising has a much deeper, richer world more in-depth characterization, and a more complex plot. That said, if you liked Hunger Games, but you wanted more of those things, this book would probably make you happy as a pig with six tits. So yeah, good characters, great world building, good action, good book, worth your time. Do I need to say wow. more than that? And <laughs> I'd like to hear more about if... A pig with six tits is something that's necessarily happy. Uh, well, I'm glad you said that also because in the review he says all pigs have six tits, but I wanted to see if anyone was reading this far down in the review. So, Oh, that's a very <laughs> classic Rolfus move there. You know that I love... Patrick Rothfuss. Oh, I know. It's Yeah. And, and I was very tempted to, to include this in the pitch. But I was kind of like, he's going to ask the question. And when he does, I'm just going to slam dunk the you Rothfuss. Slam dunked. <laughs> you slam dunked the Rothfuss uh, right on me. Posterized <laughs> me, if you will. And yes. yeah, I mean, what more is there than an author I really admire saying such kind things in response to that? <laughs> let him ease your mind about all this hunger games compared because it is like because it's this was released at a time that hunger games was like in the movie theaters selling millions of dollars worth of tickets so it's like every pr person was like it's hunger games <laughs> so <laughs> it, it invited a lot of comparisons um and rightfully so they are very very similar to me i would still consider this young adult it 
like very much this like you know younger guy in a dystopian society rises up the ranks against high society you know it it has all of that which is why it invites comparisons and then there's like a game aspect of it and like a and things like that which is also why i threw in like an ender's game kind of thing it's like a war games kind of thing but it's more than any of that. It's not just like another, like there's a reason it's a bestseller and there's a reason Patrick mm-hmm. Rothfuss says it's worth your time. You know, it's, it's more than that. It actually bothers to tell an original story while using those tropes as, as part of it. So that would be my answer to that question. Yes. All right. <laughs> I mean, I'm just going to move on to my next question because that has been resolved in yeah. in my <laughs> mind. I've... <laughs> I think this is a pretty fair transition from Patrick Rothfuss is that I've heard people hurling their favorite insult that they love to hurl whenever they get the chance, which is I've heard the criticism of the main character. Darrow is a Mary Sue leveled at this book. What do you have to say about that, Charles? Well, maybe not so much what I have to say about it. Let's oh see my. what the great Brandon Sanderson has <laughs> oh, to <Charles. laughs> oh, I believed you. <laughs> I know. <laughs> oh, no, I don't have any other authors prepared. <laughs> that would have been amazing. <laughs> that would have been amazing. But no. Uh, so, yes, I when I read the books originally, I never thought that. And I never, like went on to read reviews to even consider that in my mind. It was only when I was preparing for this pitch that I saw these um, Mary Sue claims popping up. And look, you know just as well as I how quickly the internet likes to label main characters as Mary Sue's. You know, I find it to be a bit unwarranted. Um, There are some... Because, I mean, this is the story about the guy that tries to rise up the ranks from the lowest class to the highest class. So he is going to have to go through, he has to succeed in a lot of ways to get to that level. And so it would be easy to consider him a Mary Sue, but I think the story does a good job of, especially in, in, in the beginning, building him up that way. Um, I don't want to kind of get into any of the plot of the story beforehand, but I would just take solace in the fact that this, like when you think about like a, like a Hunger Games or an Ender's Game, it's like, is Ender a Mary Sue? Is, is um, Katniss a Mary Sue? It's like, they have a lot of strong qualities, but they're not overpowered to that. They're breaking the story. You know, it's, for me, like a real true Mary Sue, just is you. They're picking up skills super quickly, and they can't be stopped. But and just because they're the main characters and they have plot armor and they're super good, and that's not the case with Red Rising. Like this character has to go through a lot before we get to any point where they're exhibiting qualities that they're <laughs> better than anybody else. You know, so I would say no, and. But when you have the main character of any YA dystopian series, they're going to seem like heroes. But I think Red Rising does a really good job of kind of building 
the main character up to that in some ways and and still making it a fresh original take on this dystopian society and you couldn't do that if he was a mary sue the whole time i I don't want to say too much i'm trying to dance around the plot so i'll just kind of leave it at that is that rothfuss wouldn't be saying it's a great series and i wouldn't be saying it's a good series if it if that was an issue well, some people might argue with you about uh, <laughs> whether Rothfuss <laughs> would say it or not, but you know what side I land on with all yeah. that. I, I almost begrudgingly asked this question because I knew right. I had to with the reviews I was seeing and the criticisms. I I just think that people, people have cheapened the phrase Mary Sue yes. so much to this point where it's like, okay, if every main character that's mostly quite competent gets labeled a Mary Sue, then it doesn't mean anything to me anymore. It's like, if everyone's a Mary Sue, no one's a Mary Sue. And yeah, okay, there's people out there like my, uh, (laughs) I mean, my favorite author, Joe Abercrombie, who will never write anyone probably that will get labeled a, a Mary Sue. So there's some people immune to it. But you pretty much have to, make them like a bad person (laughs) or like particularly not good at most things like things like that uh, to have your main character not get some Mary Sue criticism I'm just sick of it it's like ever since Ray because the character is good at fighting oh yeah I feel like it's it's so much like the internet learned a new word and now they're just like can't wait to exercise the use of it in any sort of popular piece of fiction because like yeah the main character is gonna have to be good at fighting if he's gonna fight someone that's good at fighting Uh, but in the case of something like Star Wars she was good at fighting without having ever picked up a lightsaber Okay, she picks it up and all of a sudden she's fighting the big bad guy and holding her own. And you can make cases to whether that was an example of Mary Sue or what. And I don't want to get into that. But the point is, that's not what's happening here. It's like, it's not like this is my first time fighting and I'm beating the toughest guy around. It's not Mary Sue in what I consider the traditional way. It doesn't like break the character development. It doesn't break the the action of the scenes or anything. It's not like all of a sudden they're just so much better and we don't understand why they're like so good now. It's like, no, the character's built up. That's all I can say. They're built up to, to, to make, to meet any expectations people have that would consider to be a Mary Sue quality. I appreciate that, Charles. I must just take a quick step onto my soapbox and invite people to, Enter a post-Mary Sue world with me where (laughs) we just stop trying to label everyone a Mary Sue and take a step back and say, is this character good? Is the story good? Well, if you decide to read this series, you'll be able to enter the conversation. I'm so tired (laughs) of the Mary Sue conversation, Charles. That's why I'm asking people to enter a post Mary Sue world. I'm, you heard me rant about it in her Kinkiller Chronicle episodes. Yes. Uh, so. <laughs> yes, I did. <laughs> that, that and even more so Denna. <laughs> so <laughs> ah, let's let's enter a post Mary Sue part of this episode, Charles, when I let's ask you it. about a third question. My next question, which is the other thing I've seen pop up in a few reviews is something I don't think we need to move past as a society in talking about, which is people saying that the book is boring. 
And I think that's a fair thing to not want a book to do is be boring. Right. What do you have to say about that? Do you see where they're coming from? Well, this is the thing we always talk about in review of reviews. It's being able to acknowledge that you don't like something, but then frame it that like, oh, I don't like this, but if people do like this, then it's for them, but it wasn't for me, and that's why I'm giving it a lower score or whatever. We'd love to see more of that on the internet. Yeah, so just kind of that acknowledgement of when something is successful, it's just not your taste. And I think that's what's happening with a lot of those negative reviews, because when you have something like science fiction where people are on Mars and drilling for minerals and going into outer space and all those things, like, it's... If you're not into science fiction and space, it's going to be, you could conceivably consider that boring. And you're reading plots, you're reading large chunks of things about technology and, and class structure. And it takes a lot of time to to explain how the society is laid out. And you kind of need to understand the setting in order to appreciate the class systems. So... There's a lot of that going on in the book, which anyone who is an avid science fiction reader would be able to adapt to that very easily and nicely and, and, and enjoy it. But anyone who's coming from like Hunger Games, where it kind of focuses on like a lot of relationships and like she's making TV appearances and, you know, dresses and makeup and all these other things, it's like that doesn't exist in this story. So there's not as much of that fluff stuff and it, it leans more into like the Ender's Games aspect of it where it's a little more hard science kind of based. So that's where people are coming from, I think, speaking for them when they say it's boring. Um, the books aren't that long and the story is interesting and there's very much a plot progression, so I never at any point considered it boring. However, if I wasn't a science fiction fan, and and to be clear, like I was a science fiction fan well before I was a fantasy fan, so I very much do enjoy a lot of those sci-fi elements. That's why I would recommend it, and that's why I'm pitching it. But if you had no taste for science fiction at all, I don't know why you would pick it up. And that's just kind of where we're at. <laughs> I probably wouldn't have been a part of starting a podcast uh, <laughs> about speculative fiction if I didn't have a bit of a desire to read some sci-fi. So I don't think I fall in that category, Charles. So you've mm -hmm. assuaged m me anyway uh, with these concerns. And awesome. I, I also want to say, Charles, you are, there's five of these books you're pitching there's a trilogy oh, that came the out. The trilogy. And that's okay. done. And then he's writing, he's in the midst of writing a second trilogy that takes place afterwards. And I still think like the main characters, like a lot of main characters are in it. Like it's mm -hmm. the immediate future, I think. But I've never read those. I'm not pitching those. It's not even done yet. It's ongoing. Okay. I think the next one comes out in 2021. So no, this is a total, complete, finished story. I just think it became Sounds so good. successful that... Obviously, he's more. You know, it's like yeah. he signed a big, expensive movie deal that never came through, but it might be a TV show now. We'll see. Interesting. All right. Well, I think we've covered the Red Rising stuff. I'm All ready right. to move on to Witcher, Charles. Let's move on to Witcher. So here are my opening statements for the Witcher, and I'm going to make it clear again for the audience that I'm 
only pitching the first two books, which are The Last Wish and The Sword of Destiny. Those are like the short story collections. And I'm not pitching The Witcher series, which is a different five book um, storyline. So, nor are you pitching go. any of the video games. <laughs> nor am I pitching the video games, but if that was a thing, I probably would. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what is there to say about the multimedia cultural phenomena that is the Witcher series? These are the hit fantasy books that inspired popular video games and a Netflix original series starring Superman as Geralt. And honestly, he's better as Geralt than Superman. But that's just one podcaster's opinion. Wow. It has a lot of stuff that you, Dylan, like. It's got morality plays, tropes subversions. Geralt is a bit of a rogue character, but he's got some nice complexities worked in. It's gothic, it's macabre, it reads like Aesop's fables, but it's blended with modern fantasy in a way that feels both old school and fresh. It has werewolves, vampires, wizards, bards, curses, talks of destiny. I know you like the series, and it's got a lot... I know you like the Netflix series, and the Netflix series draws a lot of plot lines heavily inspired by these two books, almost all of them. And you know the saying, the book is better than the video. And in this case, I wholeheartedly agree. I know you're an audiobook guy, and these audiobooks do not disappoint. Narrator Peter Kenny nails the gravelly voice of Geralt. And at around 10 hours a peach for each of these audiobooks, I know you would find them manageable and an enjoyable experience. And most importantly, the Witcher books are just plain fun. I'll end you with the quote. People, Geralt turned his head, like to invent monsters and monstrosities. Then they seem less monstrous themselves. When they get blind drunk, cheat, steal, beat their wives, starve an old woman. When they kill a trapped fox with an axe or riddle the last existing unicorn with arrows. They like to think that the bane entering cottages at daybreak is more monstrous than they are. They feel better then. They find it easier to live. That's such an awesome quote and uh, <laughs> well done pitch there, Charles. <laughs> I think the line, I know you're an audiobook guy, came up in both of your yes. <laughs> pitches word for word. I, I do like audiobooks. I've been uh, I've been alternating between the audiobook of the Fellowship of the Ring and the, the actual physical copy I have. And I'll say... The, the audiobook for that one's pretty good. Uh, well, probably better so than I would have though. guessed, honestly. Uh, well, which, whichever one I'm listening to, yeah. better than I would have guessed. Um, so a, a good audiobook, I mean, that can help me move along with a series for so sure. much And Geralt quicker. is such a specific character. Like, from the show, you've seen it where he's got, like, this gravelly voice. Mm-hmm. And in the video games, the vo- like, um, the actor nails the voice in both the video games and and in the series so i wanted to assure you that that same level of commitment to the character of Geralt is brought into the audiobooks oh yeah and these two short stories are very Geralt focused and that's what makes them so good honestly like the the series is still good but a large part of what makes the witcher saga work is the character of Geralt. And so when it's not all about him, it kind of loses a little steam for me personally. So Mm. heavy, heavy into these first two, they're by far the stronger stories 
in the series. And then we still have a whole saga when, like, you know, season two of Witcher comes out and we want to reignite that passion. We can still have the option to read those and, and keep the Witcher going throughout the friends pitching, friends talking fantasy career. You know? <laughs> this is a great opportunity to get that knowledge base in. And then we can always dabble into the saga in the future when it becomes culturally relevant again. That's totally fair, Charles. The, the the question that I have first is actually based on the fact that I just watched the Netflix series before this, which uh, we have to have dropped the the Witcher Netflix um, episode by the time that released, right, I'm not Charles? sure. We will have dropped the character series, but I don't know if we'll have dropped the Witcher series in time for this oh that's so interesting charles everyone knows charles is more the behind the scenes guy i I just i show up i record i do my social media stuff but i often don't know the (laughs) release schedule to the same like it's either gonna drop on the 26th of august which would be before this we're in september now or would have to be like immediately after this episode and I'm leaning more okay. towards Okay, well, we might as well drop it before then, so this part well, makes sense. I would like to do that, but maybe it could drop like in between these two friends pitching fantasy podcasts. Okay, like it, okay. Well, that they'd still, could be possible. If we drop my episode first yeah. by pitching, then it'll work. Anyway, sorry, podcasting logistics. <laughs> Charles, knows, Charles knows how to handle all this. So <laughs> we'll... Uh, Anyway, I I just watched it. I liked it a lot, and I I find myself wondering though, will I enjoy these books just as much having just watched the show recently? Like, is it gonna feel like it's rehashing a lot of these moments that I've already seen? Should I give myself more time to let that have some space? Good question. Who better to answer than J.R.R. Tolkien? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, the answer, so I had the reverse experience. I read the books first, and then I watched the series. And I can confidently say that they're two totally different experiences. Like, the show pulls from, like, kind of cherry picks short stories from the books to feature in the show and they do a great job of it for the most part but i gotta say like i think you'll have a get a lot of value out of reliving those stories in the book format and kind of brushing up on those stories and getting even more information more description spend some more time in each story because i felt like a lot of the stories that i really liked in the book were kind of rushed in the show and I feel like they were kind of burning through material in the show very quickly to kind of make this great spectacle that is the first season of that show. So I would say, look, we all know what happens when we adapt books to film and even the most successful versions, nothing, there's nothing quite like the experience that's reading through it. And there's so for every series, for every story that they covered in the show, there's one or two that weren't covered that are in the books that are just as worthy that I'm willing to bet they'll probably bring up in the next season or something who's to say but there's tons of other stories in here 
and there's this whole framing story that puts it all in like this arching narrative that you get to see that the books totally did away with in order to tell the series storyline up front and the Yennefer storyline origin story. So you're not going to get those origin stories, but what you are going to get is all, you get to see how all of those um, other short stories of for Geralt fall into this narrative uh, of this arching narrative that is Geralt's character development and plot development. So it's a very worthwhile endeavor, and I think it will prepare you more to revisit the series and even prepare you more for season two. Mm. That's that's a good way of putting it. I've heard some people say they have Witcher fatigue at this point, which <laughs> makes sense since uh, you know it could be a book they're reading, a video game they're playing, and a show they're watching all at the yes. same time. Yes. Uh, <laughs> and, and all that's those... exactly where I lived that week. We were watching the show to review it. I was playing the <laughs> game, like reading the end of the Witcher saga and also watching the show. I'm like, man, this is crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's what happens when a franchise is so multimedia, as you say. And I have felt <laughs> like I'm coming into this with fresh eyes and excitement. So right. I, I don't really think. You know, I hadn't played the games. My first experience with it was when we just recently watched through the Netflix series. So I feel very little in the way of Witcher fatigue, but I wanted to give this question a chance. Like 300 pages, you know, you'll no fatigue here. They move fast. That's good to hear. Well, I know that these first two books that you're pitching are short story books, Charles, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm not a huge short story guy, I've realized. Uh, I've had a few good ex- experiences with them, like those in uh, Abercrombie's Sharp Ends are great, but you know, I like anything Abercrombie puts out. Right. Uh, <laughs> but I, I usually feel like I've been served an appetizer or series of appetizers without ever getting around to the main course. and. Right. I'm wondering, are my hesitations about short stories unfounded in reference to The Witcher? Here's what I'll say. You know, much like when we were reading Kingkiller Chronicles and the idea that it was a person telling a story, like, you might not like that, but the fact that it was written and the character is a storyteller and stories are a huge part of that world adds it adds value to the book in the mm-hmm. experience of reading it. And that's the same situation you're getting here. You might not like just a bunch of, just reading a bunch of short stories, but, and this is from having only watched the show, what you don't, what you haven't gotten yet is that The Witcher is heavily inspired by like fairy tales and fables and things like that, like Grimm's fairy tales and, and all these other uh-huh. more macabre, like old school, traditional fantasy elements. So the fact that they bring it into this short story format where everyone kind of has like a moral or something, but then putting in this element of modern fantasy into it and creating a character as exciting and and fun as Geralt it adds to the it's part of the experience it's not just writing short stories because he didn't want to write a full story it's writing short stories because 
it's heavily influenced by fables and folklore. So when you have like a traditional setting where it's like a wizard and a monster and the wizard wants to, to try and kill the monster and then enter Geralt who kind of sticks out. It's like, he's supposed to be the bounty hunter that kills the monster. But then he's like, well, what did the monster do to you? Like, it seems like there's two evils here. Why am I to decide? You know, I'm not really that interested in picking. So that's kind of the whole point is to bring this kind of modern moralism into these old school kind of tales with these old school creatures. Like we find out that, Hey, maybe the human side of it isn't as righteous as we thought. And then it does an excellent job of weaving in like a, a framing story and all of the short stories do follow a narrative and you do end up at the end set up for the saga. So it does have an arc to it. So you're not just reading a bunch of dislocated, isolated stories. They weave into each other and they call back to each other and they're framed in a story where it's building up the whole lore of Witcher, which then presents itself in the form of the, the saga that comes after it so i would say you may not like short stories in general but this book was written inspired by short stories and that only adds to the value of their experience much like storytelling in king killer chronicles well said charles i think you make a great point there and you know if the story is best told in a series of short stories then <laughs> I wouldn't want to ask a an author to try to turn that into a novel unnecessarily. So I appreciate, hey, if that's a format that makes sense, then going for it. I'll also say that so this was originally published, I, I think, in 1993. Yeah, in like my... the, ni- the mid-90s, somewhere it's around there. Like, it's amazing how ahead of its time it was back then yeah. to be subverting these things in ways that we really wouldn't be seeing a lot of until significantly later. I mean, we still have like wheel of time and stuff is going on around then. Right. Like you have still a lot of high fantasy, um, and involvement, but no, I would agree. I think Witcher was one of those first grim, dark, like trope subversion kind of stories. It's not so much like a gotcha kind of like, yeah. You're expecting one thing and I got another. It's more just like a, a a new perspective in these more traditional like fairy tales. It's like, well, maybe the queen in the story was also like trying to cheat destiny and wanted me to just kill this person. You know, it's like there's more sides to this. Like everyone kind of sucks <laughs> in this story. You know, <laughs> I just have to choose what I think is best at this point. Or do I even have to choose? Like, is it my responsibility to get involved? You know, so a lot of interesting ideas that you wouldn't normally discuss in fantasy. It's like, should I even get involved? <laughs> like a lot of fantasy, there's the hero who sees injustice and steps in. You have Geralt who's like trying to hold back. It's like, do I really need to insert myself in this? Like, whole thing right now so yeah, it's very interesting in those in those takes definitely fits with the sense i was getting from the netflix series and so oh, yeah weird to think that this so this predates a game of thrones by several years then a yeah. game of thrones came out in 1996 to put you in the headspace of when witcher was coming out and doing these things and it doesn't feel you said it doesn't have these gotcha uh, moments I guess from the series that I saw on Netflix anyway, it doesn't have the 
feel of the like Joe Abercrombie stuff. They didn't which chop is a girls' like, head off at I the am, end of the yeah. season, you know. <laughs> uh, it's got a little more of like, okay, I'm gonna play a lot of these tropes straight, but I'm gonna do it in a fresh and innovative way, and and I think that's that's what I'd be excited about if I did choose. Witchers that makes it different from yeah even the more it's, modern fantasy it's stuff these morality plays that i was talking about in the pitch it's like it's an interesting perspective brought into a story where it may have seemed easy to choose in the first place oh like oh that guy's a werewolf we should just kill him but then it's like mm-hmm. the werewolf's not hurting anybody meanwhile this guy wants like made it like maybe and made him a werewolf in the first place or whatever he's scheming and he's bad man so it's like you know who knows who knows and it's like the more you learn about either side the more horrible details come out it's like it's uh no it's it's a lot of fun well charles thanks for running me through that my last question is going to be similar to the one that you asked in the last episode which is can you compare and contrast why I would choose either of these series over the other? Oh, yeah, and that would be fairly easy to do. The Witcher is um, is a fun fantasy romp. Geralt's a monster bounty hunter, and it's as cool as that is, it's not stuck in its like kind of the simplicity of what that sounds like. It, this, the stories are very complex and involved, and there's a lot of other great characters in The Witcher as well. It's just so much fun to see vampires and werewolves and wizards and, and still have it come out fresh. It very much feels like a return-to-form, fun fantasy story. Red Rising, you have a lot of sci-fi, young adult, dystopian vibes to it. It's a lot of, like flying around in spaceships, shooting laser guns, playing Hunger Game like war games <laughs> and, and and you know the main character starts at the lowest caste system and he's kind of pathetic and he's working his way up and and so that's basically what you're choosing between. I guess your decision is like do you want to just get into this fun short-lived like f- fresh take on classic fantasy? Or do you want to step into the world of dystopian, futuristic, science fiction story? I mean, they both do a great job in their genres. They both take a fresh a fresh take on these classic tropes. It's just where are you leaning towards? The, the fun, fast-paced swords and sorcery fantasy or the gritty uprisings trilogy of of red rising you know it's, it depends on what you want to what flavor if you will you're you're in the mood for i will charles <laughs> depends on your tastes all right well you make a you make a strong case for both of them <laughs> Well, like Which you said last time, it helps to have so good tough. books to, to choose from. For sure. And I felt with everything we've done in Friends Pitching Fantasy so far that it's usually about picking between two right choices or three yes. right choices at the yes. start. Yeah. So it's hard to go too awry when all the options are good ones. I mean, 
shall we move on to my decision then? I'm yeah. out of questions. Let's hear it. All right. Well, it's super tough. I mean, we've got The Witcher on one hand, which has all these things that I got just a taste of in the eight episode Netflix series that I'll say that had me feeling a little bit like I, what I was talking about before with the, I had that appetizer and I <laughs> the feel like the bouche. books are going to be, yeah, the books are probably going to be a bit more of a hearty course here that I could sure. really sink my teeth into exactly. a lot of these food metaphors <laughs> throughout this it episode. Works. It's working. <laughs> so, and I'm, I'm kind of on a kick lately, as you know, Charles, with these monster hunting things. Uh, I don't know. I find that really interesting lately. And some of these that harken back to more of those fairy tale or D&D type things. So I, uh, I don't know. I, I, the, the Witcher is extremely tempting. And then Red Rising has all these things that I was hyping up to you about being a, a breath of fresh air, or as I said at one point, a, a fresh of breath air. Yes. And I I feel like, especially if we end up reading, now we're planning on doing, uh, okay, Lord of the Rings, then after that, it could be Book of the Ancestor, and then after that, are we doing another thing that's mostly fancy, or do we want to dive into this uh, this totally new world? Obviously, we mm-hmm. don't know what destiny will decide in terms of reading order of Book of the Ancestor versus the book I choose. But right. Anyway, it it gives me a really a really tough choice. <laughs> you got to choose, though. It's time. I know. And dismissing either of these books almost feels evil, Charles, but I have to choose the lesser of two evils here. Oh my god. Does that I'm mean going for what the I Witcher it series? It means what you think it means. <laughs> I can't help myself. <laughs> the well, Witcher, man. I I can't get enough of it right now. I was <laughs> you did an amazing job pitching Red Rising and Thank you. I think I didn't want to play my my hand, but I was coming in feeling The Witcher, and you made it a closer you made a closer bout than maybe I would have expected. But but I don't know, man. We got to do it. We got to do The Witcher. That's a fair choice, man. You know, we were both tempted to go sci-fi, but at the end of the day, you can't pass <laughs> up that that good old fantasy. <laughs> it is friends talking fantasy, so I think whenever we're bringing the sci-fi stuff in. It makes it a little bit harder. We're, we're fantasy fans at our core. We love <laughs> everything in speculative fiction, but we're fantasy guys. There we go. So the books that have been chosen are Dylan's series, The Book of the Ancestors by Mark Lawrence, and mine, The Witcher series, which is The Last Wish and The Sword of Destiny, specifically, by Andrzej Sapkowski. Wow. I we mean, made it. Him- Back to back like that Those are does get me picks. excited because me too. I mean, I can't wait for Witcher, and I know how good Book of the Ancestor is. So 
No, I know. These <laughs> are going to be, be awesome. great reads. Yeah, I'm very excited for it. So now we enter the last round called Destiny, where we do the highly anticipated coin toss. Uh, <laughs> Dylan, can you see the coin on your screen? I cannot, and I can't affirm that Charles is not rigging this right now. Oh, now I can. <laughs> You can't. I, I shared. The I can screen. see. I can see. Okay. It. Yes. Now I you can. can see it, and all of you at home cannot see it. So <laughs> we just. <laughs> so it's perfect. But picture, if you will, a coin, <laughs> and um, so Dylan, would you like if I'm gonna flip, you call. Yeah. Let's do all it. All right. Okay. So go ahead Should and I, call it in the it, air. Is it, it, we're doing this Google coin toss thing. <laughs> I have no idea if there's time to like call it in the air. I think I there is. The so time. I'll just do a three, two, one flip, and then okay. you call heads or tails, and okay, then we'll we'll good. just explain to the viewers what's happening. <laughs> so, All right, the coin is rotating. It's not a real coin, but the digital coin is rotating. It could I have my finger over tails. the flip button, and here we go. In three, two, one, heads. He's called heads. The coin is flipping. And it's tails. <laughs> oh, what an upset. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't. I, I picked heads last time and I won. I don't mind at all, man. I'm happy to dive into Witcher. <laughs> so there we have it. The reading order will be we finish King Killer Chronicles. We go into Lord of the Rings. We slide into the Witcher series, The Last Wish, The Sword of Destiny. And then that culminates with the Book of the Ancestor by Mark Lawrence. What wow. a lineup. What a lineup, Charles. What this is a awesome. Lineup. This is great. I'm very excited to be reading these. So, without further ado, I'll bring in the outro music and we can go ahead and get this puppy started. Thank you, everybody. For listening to the Friends Talking Fantasy Podcast. This has been another exciting Friends Pitching Fantasy two-parter. I thought that was a fun idea. I mean, we got a lot of content out of it. It's a big deal picking these books, and we need to give it the time and the grandiose nature it deserves. I, I like it too, Charles. I like the the whole separate two-parter. episode thing better. I think we'll yeah. be keeping the two-parter going you know like why change the format I mean we made it to like 50 minutes for each episode so respectable length for an episode um, so that's it guys if you want to go ahead and plan your uh, reading schedule for being able to keep up with us here go ahead and check out the reading schedule on the ftfpodcast.com hit us up on any social media stuff we're usually FTF podcast at you know Insta and Facebook where the FTF podcast won the digit one. That's right. Well, as always, thank you for listening and go forth and conquer, friends.